Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of AWM Capital's NIL Podcast. On today's show, we've got Anthony Renato. I'll, I'll read off a couple of things. He's a good friend of mine here in town, but his resume, resume will speak for itself. All-American at LSU, 2009 World Series champion on probably one of my favorite teams that I've ever watched on the college baseball side. He and I have talked about that a number of times. Just the chemistry and, and the way y'all played the game was, was fun to watch. Um, 2010 first round draft pick, played in the major leagues with a couple of organizations, also played in Korea for the Samsung Lions. Um, Anthony, welcome to the show. We appreciate you coming on here. Nah, dude, thanks for having me. This is awesome. And uh, yeah, you did a great job with the resume. It gassed me up a little bit. That's nice. Thank you. <laughs> that's, what, that's why I'm here, man. That's what good, yeah. good host does, right? Exactly. Make me feel good before we start. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, you know, I'm excited to have you on here because the things that you bring to this space are, are creativity, passion, vision. And really, you know, this podcast series is about NIL and looking at it from different perspectives. And, you know, NIL fits a lot of what you have done in your career, what you're passionate about and and what you're currently doing. And whenever we had the idea for this podcast, personally, I knew I immediately wanted to have you on here because you give a unique perspective. And and that's from one as a player that, that could have benefited from it while you were in college, but also Two, as a person who's actually utilizing this, you know, as a business owner from the other side of the table today. So, I mean, I guess give me, first of all, just your general thoughts about NIL and what you've seen in the last year, you know, since it's or less than a year since it's come out. I guess first and foremost was I was surprised how fast it happened. You know, I think cards and culture and the reason that I opened up a brick and mortar location kind of always was predicated on the fact that NIL was coming and I knew that this was going to be a thing. But when I opened my doors on July 1st, I thought I was going to have some time and I thought it was going to take another year or two, something like that. But obviously the same day, it literally hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, wow, this is real. It's here, you know? So that was really interesting to me. So the first thing was how fast it came. And then as a business owner, I felt incredible pressure or stress, I guess, like stress I put on myself, but pressure to interact with these athletes and be a part of the NIL when I didn't even really know, you know, really all about it and the details, intricacies of that stuff. But it was just so loud and noisy and marketing, right? The bar stool stuff. As a business owner, I was like, oh man, am I going to lose? Am I going to lose? And I knew I was a startup and I really didn't have a ton of money to inject into this stuff, you know, and give these kids. I didn't know if they were getting $100,000 deals, million dollar deals, or if it was, you know, store product and things like that. So I guess the education process of it all has been the most interesting and exciting for me. Yeah. What about you? You mentioned cards and culture and you own a number of businesses, but I think that cards and culture is probably the one you utilize the most with NIL. Tell me a little bit more about what cards and culture is so we can you know start to educate our, our, our fans and our the people listening like, okay, this is what, what Anthony does. And then this is how he utilizes NIL. Yeah. So Cards and Culture is a, is a brick and mortar, I call it a modern day collectible shop, uh, but we do sports cards, memorabilia, art, sneakers, collectibles, like all that kind of stuff. But the, sh- the space is, is a community destination point kind of for a lot of these things that we're doing in the NIL space. We've had live art events, we've done pop-up shops with clothing and, and things like that. We've hosted watch you know sports events and like watch parties and things like that for the Super Bowl. Um, we're going to have some gaming nights in the shop. We've done, you know, panel talks and things like that. So 
with NIL, I invite people in for my podcast, a lot of the athletes, right? And those are a lot of the athletes that we're doing partnerships with where we're creating one of one memorabilia pieces or we're creating, you know, clothing for them that's telling their story and, and kind of creating their personal brand and just capturing this moment that they're on campus, right? For a lot of these guys and girls, this might be the most attention they have in their life. It might be the most important time of their athletic career because unfortunately not everybody gets to go play at the next level, right? So I'm trying to educate a lot of the kids on that of taking advantage of the moment, appreciating the people that are around you and especially the LSU people, you know, the, the fans are so passionate. So trying to educate kids from a perspective of somebody that's gone through it, played professionally, and then has come back and understood that LSU, the fans, and, and this opportunity that they have. So NIL is just like a technology and a, and a platform, I guess, like to, to utilize a lot of the things that I want to implement with Cards and Culture. What, as far as, you know, how you implement NIL, how are you utilizing this? Like what are, and, and look, you don't have to go into details about the actual deals and what the structure of that looks like, because, you know, you mentioned earlier, it's, a, it's being defined, it's being evolved, and there's probably some competitive and trade secrets in there. Like what kind of deals are you doing with, with some of these athletes as far as like, Hey, you know, you mentioned one-on-one memorabilia or coming on a podcast. How, how else are you structuring these deals and, and what are the opportunities for athletes like? Not just for you, but also for for other people as well that you're seeing. I think first and foremost for for this stuff is I wanted to take care of the athletes. I wanted to educate the athletes, but also make them feel good about the work that they were doing and the things that I feel like they deserve, right? And especially in a college town, that's that's really important to me. So the things that we have done, we kind of went the exact opposite of what Barstool was doing, you know, where they were just like, everybody's an athlete, we're giving everybody t-shirts and hats. I wanted to be more intimate and work with less athletes, but do more with them, get to know their families, get to know their stories, get to know what pushes them, what motivates them, what's made them successful, that kind of stuff. And then storytell through memorabilia pieces or merchandise or apparel or podcasting. And that's kind of what we do. So I sign a contract with the athletes so they get the immediate gratification of a signing bonus, you know, and that kind of depends on their marketability and how many, you know, engagement and activity. And I'm looking at this from a brand equity perspective of, I don't think I'm going to get rich off of this. I don't think I'm going to profit off of this. And actually the athletes take home 70% in most of my deals, you know, 50 to or 60 to 75%, depending on the athlete. And what I wanted to do was teach athletes that it's about engagement with their fans. The more that they engage, the more that they promote their story, the more that they promote their t-shirt or their logo, whatever it is, the more that their fans are going to buy this and be and care about it and connect with them, right? And if they're getting a percentage of profit, the more that they talk about it, the more that they market, the more that they storytell, the more that their money is going to increase, right? So that's been my plan so far is where it's more collaborative and, you know, relationship building. And I think that's been great for the five or six athletes, seven athletes that we've partnered with. But I think as this stuff develops, I would like to get to a point where, you know, I have more athletes on board and I can pay them for you know, set appearances, autograph signings, podcast things, video game appearances, stuff that just gets a little bit more fun and dynamic for the athletes as well. What as far as, you know, because I, I think that most athletes coming in are saying, hey, this is a way for me to to just make some money, right? I mean, I think that's, and that's probably the general perception of the public everywhere is, oh, this is just a way to make some money. But when you go back in there and you're, you're talking to these athletes about, you know, building a brand, brand equity, engagement, like, how has that been received by the athletes, you know, and what has changed from when they walk into that relationship and like, hey, it's about money till at the end. What kind of feedback are you getting by the athletes that are participating and entering into deals with you? That's a great question. I, I think what I've learned, too, is 
for some athletes, it's not even about money anymore. It's about attention. It's about, hey, I'm going to use this word clout, right? Like or whatever that people use and chase or whatever. But it's really about attention. It's where people are paying attention to, right? Engagement, likes, shares, uh, views, all these things matter. Those analytics matter to these kids. And that's the new currency, right? Uh, so that's what I've kind of embraced and enjoyed is understanding that about this generation and this culture that we're in. Uh, so I'm trying to equip them with things like that. Like, hey, how can you come on a podcast and I can give you high quality content? How can I get you in some high quality you know, pictures and give you things to promote to your fans and stuff like that? So I think it's been the education process too of these, both on my part, but then also on their part of like, hey, what do you really want from this deal? I want to know, is it money in your pocket because you want to feed your family or do you want more followers? Do you want more engagement? What is it that you're looking for? And then I kind of cater the plan to them, right? And kind of so you're, make you're it about stepping them. in like, hey, what are your priorities? And becoming not just a, a partner, but a mentor in, in some way to these athletes. That's exactly it. I don't want to strip their creativity. And that's what I, I want them to critically think. I want them to have to adapt and, and figure out ways to you know, create their brand. And that's kind of what I'm doing is, Tell me about yourself. Tell me what you're passionate about, right? Because I don't want to have 20 athletes that I have to do all the marketing and storytelling and promotion for, right? I want you to be involved. What's, what excites you? What gets you going? What's going to get you on your phone and share this to social media? You know what I'm saying? Is it a video game? Is it Twitch stuff? Is it YouTube? Like, tell me. So that's kind of where I'm at with them. And I, and I get to know them more on a personal level too. Yeah, it's, it's more fun to just collaborate. And, and anytime you're working with somebody, as long as there's that passion and that vision and it's a working together, it's probably beneficial to both sides of the story. Now, now as far as like switching it from the athletes a little bit to you, like what have you seen? Have you seen a positive net benefit from your interactions with college athletes in the community? How has NIL helped your business? What, what are your thoughts around that? I think, and, and my strategy behind it was I, I kind of knew that I wasn't going to get a crazy ROI from, you know, 30, 40% profits from clothing and t-shirts and hats. It was more when I go to the basketball games or the baseball games, and they're like, oh, that's a cards and culture guy. Like, hey, cards and culture, you know, like things like that, where people are just aware of it. It's brand equity. That's what I, when I say brand equity is I want people to see the CNC or the cards and culture and be like, oh, that's that shop in Perkins Road that Darius Days is a partner with. Or, oh, I saw Tiana Caffey Ka- Ka- uh, uh, post about that shop. And, uh, yo, Caleb Pointer, where's your stuff? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, I want the kids to show up to campus and be like, yo, who's cards and culture? We need to go there. Like, or these are the people that take care of us, you know, when we're, when we're a high level athlete and we come, you know, we care about the right things and, and we're here to still tell stories and be passionate versus just take things and get attention, you know? Yeah, no. And it's, it's funny. I took my daughter out to a beach volleyball tournament this weekend and I'm, I'm sitting there and, and we were watching from the top on one side at the beginning. And I'm like, man, I was like, cards and culture, you were on every single umbrella there. And, and you think about the number of impressions you're probably getting in, the, in that exact thought process of like, man, who is this? I see them everywhere. And in also other events, I've seen you around, you know, a lot of the basketball games that, that we'll go to, I'll see you there repping. And so, I mean, it's, it's probably a pretty good, you know, benefit and it's something that'll grow over time. And, and I think it'll be a good partnership for you because, I think unlike a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses, you know, for me is, you know, or if if I was an attorney and and I'm going to hire, you know, somebody from the NIL side, well, it's just kind of, it's kind of transactional, right? And it's the the athlete doesn't really, probably doesn't care about as an attorney, what you do, you know, they're just there more for the paycheck. But I think the the way you're doing, I mean, your business is basically built around, it's it's called cards and culture. 
right? So it's built around this space of, of sports and cultural and identity and social media and, and how things are moving in this world. It's, it's, it's a different animal right now. As, as far as, you know, roadblocks, you know, th- this is so new and, and everybody on that we've had, you know, we talk about how everything's evolving, how things are changing, you know, issues you've seen, whether it's David Fresh, Fleshman from the legislative side and saying, hey, laws are changing um, or the compliance side saying, hey, rules are changing. NCAA is looking at this in a different way. Like, have you seen any roadblocks or anything that when you enter into a deal or you're going to try to enter into a deal with an athlete, anything popped up that that you've seen, hey, man, this should be addressed or this has come up a couple of times? Nothing specific to me, I don't think. I think that it's more planning in the future, I guess, right? Like if you're one of the things I want to do with Cards and Culture is, is raise some money or have a fund that we can pay these athletes, you know, and, and set it. And that, but that's, that creates a little bit of fear for me of, man, there's going to be so many changes over the next couple of years. And, and if you get together a pool of investors and, or former athletes or whatever we want to do, and then rules change, that's a little you know, unsettling for me. So that's, it's, it's frozen me a little bit where I'm like, ah, do I push forward with this? Cause I don't have as much conviction in, you know, the things that are unknown. Uh, so that's really the only thing for me. Cause a lot of my stuff is really small level stuff. And I guess on that small level stuff, maybe just like logo usage of, you know, corporations or LSU and things like that. So those were just the biggest things, like the hurdles in the beginning of just understanding. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask about the marks. And is that something that you know, if you're an athlete coming in, talk to you, do, do they handle utilizing the marks and, or is that something that you set up with compliance on your own? You kind of handle that with, with the compliance of a, of a university. Yeah. So I I'm lucky. I have a corporate sponsorship with LSU. So I have a good relationship with their sports properties team and a lot of things like that. So I do have some rights to use certain logos. And since I am a corporate sponsor, we do get to use or keep the LSU like on their jerseys when we make graphics or posts or show social media and stuff like that. So it was little things like that. Like, hey, I'm going to invest in this partnership with LSU because I know over the longevity of the contract, I'm going to be able to use these marks with the NIL and the graphics and the things that we want to promote. And I knew I was going to be interviewing a lot of LSU athletes and I don't want to have to you know, tiptoe around word verbiage, you know, all those things and, and stuff. If you're in a bad place with LSU or something or a battle, right? So I, I did, I, I felt like I did what I needed to do in a strategic partnership and, you know, investing in that relationship with LSU. They've been good to me and, and stuff like that. So I've been working with LSU and they've been really, really uh, good to me and letting us use the marks. That's easy. Cause I mean, I, I have, I've talked to some people about usage of marks, even usage of colors or pictures on campus and people are in this, this uh, different universities across the country and, and they're, there are issues about what can be used and, you know, even the compliance departments, legally speaking, when we've gone back and researched it, aren't, aren't right all the time. And so you don't want to be wasting that time. You know, if, if you don't have to, whether you're the athlete or you're the business that's, that's involved in this, you kind of want to have the idea going in like, Hey, this is gonna be a pretty simple process. I kind of want to move back a little bit, you know, and I don't want to put you on the hot seat here, but you talked about building brands. You talked about, you know, helping these, these athletes, it's not just a, a simple transactional relationship. Give us ways that, that you think that athletes can help themselves build a brand, you know, particularly with, and participate in NIL, whether it's through social media, whether it's community involvement, like how, how could you say, Hey, here's a playbook for building your brand. What would you tell, you know, a college athlete day one, when they come on a campus? Now, I, I know, I know I got you. No, it was pretty, pretty deep, but it was a great question because there's so many things that I feel like I would say, but I think the first thing would be, uh, understand the definition of humility. And 
erase kind of any entitlement that you have that people have conditioned and brainwashed into you, you know, and engage and connect with your fellow students, peers, athletes, coaches, business owners, and just be personable. Like, you know, I think one of the things that helped me in baseball that I could look back on is a lot of my teammates and coaches said I was a true professional, you know? And I think when I make a phone call nowadays, that gets me a lot of respect. That gets me a phone call. That gets me a conversation. And I didn't do it for those reasons. It was just ingrained in me. And, and those were the things that I did. So I've just learned that. So I think when I was 19, 18, 19, and 20, though, I think at LSU, I had this arrogance and this like pumped up, like I'm different than everybody because I'm going to be a first rounder and I'm going to play major league baseball. But if I really would have spent the time to engage with those fans while I was there, and again, this is what I'm saying is like, I was brainwashed by an agent that I paid to trust, you know, who was telling me not to sign autographs because my autograph was going to be devalued over the next 20 years. Well, guess what? I didn't get 20 years in the major league. So that's what I would tell people is like, stop planning for the next 30 years. Be present right now. Enjoy it. Do the things that feel good. It felt good to sign autographs and talk to the kids after the games, but my agent was telling me this stuff and I was brainwashed and then started believing it, reading the news, the media, like all these things. When really what I actually enjoyed was connecting with the kids, the fans, the people. I just never had that experience in my life and I wanted it, but I was trusting people that I thought were telling me the right thing. So I would say, be present, enjoy this time. It's the most fun time of your life and your NIL partnerships and your money and your, your brand kind of depend on your personality now too and your marketability. There's a million athletes on campus. Like what separates people is marketability, communication, communication skills, social skills. They go a long way. I, th- I think you hit on a, a great point there and it's, it's bringing back the humanity and, and also the fact you're saying, Hey, look, I thought I was going to play in the big leagues for 20 years and it didn't happen. And, and, and 99% of college athletes are never going to play professional sports. And I, I think one of the positives that, that I've seen from this is, is starting to to build a community, build a network for yourself after college. And the NIL actually gives you the opportunity to do that now to start having conversations and, and it might be something you're interested in, or it might just be, you know, going back to branding and people becoming aware of who you are. But I think that's a net positive that we're seeing with NIL is it's not always about money. It's not always about those athletes that are going to go play professional sports forever, because even the guys that, that do, and, and, and ladies that, that do play professional sports, the vast majority of those, I mean, we, we know the numbers of guys that, that play in the big leagues that still have to go do a second career. You know, so they're going to have to rely on something. And I think that's a great point of, hey, take a moment, be present, be a human being. Like what feels right is probably what's what's what is right for me in the long run when I want to go back and have to rely on somebody because it's going to be those people who you made an impact on their lives, whether it was a, a child or whether it was an adult or a business owner. And you had the opportunity to actually network while you were in college and, and meet people. Because that's the other thing. I think it's it's unique. There are, you know, Fortune 500 business owners right now that that I would love to go have lunch with and sit down and pick their brain and and say, "Hey, look, I'm interested in what you do. Let's let's talk about it." But they don't they don't care who I am now. But if if I'm a college athlete and and I play at a, a university that, that that's their alma mater and they're they're interested in that, guess what? They're interested in me and I'm going to I'm going to get an opportunity to go sit down and say, "Hey, yeah, let's grab lunch. And then all of a sudden it's, it's like, look, I have a resume of contacts that I can build on and, and people that you're going to want to knock on those doors later and they're not going to answer. But right now you've got that opportunity to, to, to kind of, you know, move forward and getting to know all these people. 
That's exactly it. And I, and like you said, just I think something really important that you said is building your network. And that's and that's what I think I was trying to say, but you said it a lot a lot cleaner. Of like just by doing that, that's that's a byproduct, right? You're building your network by doing and connecting with those things, those businesses. And I think the kids nowadays in college have such an advantage if they're open to it, right? Of learning about business from an earlier age. And the same ways that like companies came to me with equity plays when I was in the major leagues, you know, like you could potentially be part of a company that could be a startup or anything, right? Like, and, and have some equity in it. And that could sustain you for the rest of your life too, you know, and that's now an ability for a college athlete to have. And, and just that education part of it at 19 years old is way different. You know what I'm saying? That learning curve than when 24, 25, when you get to the major leagues or the NBA or NFL and you've made some money now and you have this, you know, kind of stuff. So that's the exciting part from, for, for, for me is to see younger kids learn about business and, and true things that move, you know, metrics that move business too. What, what about, you know, taking it a step back further? I mean, we're talking about the college athlete now. What about the other amateurs, the, the high school athletes in, in cultivating social media presence? Because it's, it's a dangerous world, and, and I'm getting to that point. You know, I've, I've got young children. They're starting to want to be on social media. And I think about it from the parent perspective, but also with NIL, what I've seen in this, I'm going to preface it. You know, there's, there have been individuals who have cultivated social media followings, presence. Everything they've done has been very scripted, very branded, and they've, they've walked a very narrow path to present them as, as a, in a certain manner. And right now, they're some of the most successful NIL athletes. Like, what would you tell? And it's, it's families for a lot of sports because a lot of times there aren't professionals that are, you know, involved in, uh, let's just say, uh, a women's college basketball or a, a tennis player. I, I mean, I don't know some of these sports where there's not agents involved yet. Obviously, baseball, there are. You have advisors that are starting to work with kids that are in high school. But like, what, what would you tell these people? Like, how would you go about cultivating your social media while you're in high school to possibly take advantage of, of some of these NIL opportunities? Or do you even, does it even matter? Is it, you know? I think it does. No, I think it does. And you're absolutely right. And it's, and from a business perspective, it definitely matters, but I'm torn on that. I've never, I haven't had the experience of having kids, so I don't know what it's like being a, you know, like just, I don't know what it would be like having, I know what I would give advice to a kid, but I'm also, it's not my child, you know, so it's, it's different. I think it's important, but I think there's got to be a healthy balance. And I think the parents have to be in tune with the awareness that the child is having, if that makes sense. So I think that if the child is building it in a certain way, I think there has to be an education process coming from the, the person that's you know responsible for them. So I think that's first and foremost. But then after that, I think you know it's interesting. I think it's gonna continue to evolve and I've really enjoyed seeing how some athletes are getting paid coming into school just based on their following and stuff. And I'm anxious, I'm, I'm interested anxious, nervous, excited to see how it evolves, you know, like, and I just hope that it doesn't get to a point like what you're saying is like, as soon as kids want to get on social media, they're only doing things to get followers, to get attention, to get likes and engagement and all that stuff. And, and I think that if we can teach kids at an early age, why they're doing it and there's a purpose behind it, then it's okay. But I think that's a really fine line and it takes, you know, a little bit of, of a mature approach to, to, to do that. I think that's the, the scary thing about social media is, you know, I, I think of, I think social media in the business context, I understand what it's there for. And I'm not a huge proponent of it in general, because it does go to that point where it's all about likes. It's all about clout. It's all about 
which which is fine when you're utilizing that in a professional atmosphere. But if you're a young child and you're in middle school or high school and that's how your brain starts to work, I think there's, you know, there's a negative side to social media. So that, that's the thing that scares me as a parent. And, you know, you're, you're 15 years behind me on that. But, um, you know, it's a lot of those things that you'll see. It's I got scary. nieces and nephews. And like, you know, my nephew was 16 years old and or 15. And he came and spent the summer with me and I'm, you know, watching his mannerisms because and and his life is shaped by the things that go on on the phone and i'm just like damn it's a scary time it is you know like they do things based on exactly like it's and and they do things behavior wise based on the way that it's going to engage on social media and that's the place that gets me frightened you know like in that sense so going back to so i'm I'm a college athlete and and or let's just just go back to you you're college athlete anthony and and i want to approach you with a deal what kind of deals are you looking at taking? Are you going to take every deal that comes your way? Or are you going to say, hey, man, I, I've got this vision of things that are important to me. Like, tell me what you would do as far as accepting deals, not accepting deals. How would you formulate that playbook? I think it would be, it would have to come from a place of, you know, like, who are my trusted people with me? And let's make these decisions. But I think it would come from a place of awareness, too. If I were a local, let's use Austin Bain, right? Um as a great example to me. Guy had an opportunity to play pro ball, but he kind of had an awareness of like, man, I don't know if that's my thing. I don't know if it's realistic. I'm a Baton Rouge kid. I love LSU. I just want to like make most of my time. If I were him, I'd be like, dude, do every deal that you can, that you can align with that, that aligns with your vision, morals. But like, you know, as long as it's not anything that's crazy, I would tell that kid to do as much as he can. Now, Dylan Cruz, who's whose career path is a little different, I would say, let's be a little bit more selective. Let's, you know, there's a different opportunity and a different value proposition for that type of player in the long run. And for me with that kid, I would say, let's zoom out and have some perspective and let's be a little bit more choosy with the the deals and endorsements that come through because we don't want to keyhole ourselves into something. We don't want to align with a brand that may go in a different direction in the future, right? So I think the attention to detail for the player who is going to play at the next level and is looking to brand themselves in a certain way is a little different than maybe the local player who understands, man, this is a great opportunity for me to network, to grow. Maybe I'll even take a deal where there's no money or product involved, but I know it might open up a door in the future, right? I would tell that kid to go do everything that he can that makes sense for him and his family. That make, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the problem for me is, you know, I thought I was going to play in the big leagues, and I would have, uh, <laughs> would have messed up. That's on why that, I said but... it starts with self awareness, right? Like <laughs> yeah. you can't be delusional I, 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 and be I, I, like, I'm the fifty second guy on the football team, and I'm going to play fifteen years in the NFL. <laughs> it's a cool concept. It might get you through your drills and everything, but when it's business, like let's have some some self awareness. Let's get some perspective from people outside of your own dome. You know what I'm saying? And be like, where am I at? You know, I, I had no self awareness. I had forearm <laughs> surgeries, and I was still like, dude, I'm 24, and I'm a 17th year sophomore like i'm ready to pitch in the big leagues tomorrow zero self i think all of us had that at some right like i mean if if, like we all get to that level because of that at least at some point right yeah i think think it's confidence uh yeah exactly and then just you know drive and desire i mean that's that's still what you know today as as an adult you know that drive and desire to succeed is what you know if, if i didn't have that in my everyday life I don't know what I would be doing. I have to have that, that competitive nature of being an athlete, you know, and I, and I know the same thing. You and I have had a lot of conversations and, you know, talk about just life in general, business in general. And I think that's what, you know, keeps people like us going is that desire to keep going. So, well, let me ask you this. What about as far as, and this is a loaded question because there is no right answer, the evolution of NIL. I know we've seen it within the first year, a lot of, you know, there has been a lot of evolution. Like, where do you think this thing goes? 
you know, what does this look like in five years? What does this look like in 10 years? Is it still a hot topic or is it, do you think it fades to the back a little bit? I think it just becomes a way of life. And I think that, and I think it just becomes over time, certain companies, you know, and businesses and brands and things like that will get known for being involved in the college sports, just like the way that, you know, certain brands are in professional sports and and all that stuff. So I, I do believe that we'll get to a point that athletes, you know, have agents and, or advisors in college, marketing agents and things like that. And they're coming into college with endorsement deals, you know, or something like that where, I mean, just from cards and cultures perspective, if, you know, the regular, if things stay the way they are, I would love to get to a point that every year I'm picking and choosing, you know, eight sports teams and I'm going to pick and choose, you know, a couple players and they're going to go through my board of advisors and we're going to decide how much we're going to contractually pay them for X amount of appearances, the rights to use, you know, name, image, and likeness on hats and t-shirts where we keep all the profits, you know, and autograph signings and things like that. But they're just getting a straight paycheck every month, you know, and they know for that paycheck, it includes an autograph signing at Cards and Culture, an appearance at Walk-Ons, you know, for a podcast with Walk-Ons owner and Anthony Renato, you know, like things like that, where it just involves them in the community. It, It requires them to do things and they get paid, you know, and it just basically creates like a contractual situation. And I think it's going to evolve into recruiting and like that's going to affect where kids want to go to school based on how much money they can make in one and done kids for college basketball, you know, or three years for a baseball football player or a kid that's going to be like, man, I'm going to milk this and I'm going to take a red shirt my first year, you know, and I'm going to be there for five (laughs) years, whoever it is. Right. Yeah. No, I I agree. That's, that's pretty interesting concept. I mean, I I think that, you know, I think the thing that scares me a little bit is it, I think it does shift over recruiting and, and, and athletes become more aware of like, Hey, I can, you know, let's just be honest. There's certain universities that have bigger business clout or, you know, far reach. And I, I think that it's going to affect recruiting pretty, pretty big. Um, well, you in the next couple of years, Texas A&M having the biggest recruiting or the best recruiting class, right? In the last seven or eight years has been one school and now I, you know? I think I have to professionally say no comment. I think that's the, uh, <laughs> that's what I have <laughs> right. to say in regard to right, that. Right. Um, so no comment is my, uh, legal yes. response to that, <laughs> but I'm I sure understand. we'll talk about that another day. <laughs> yes. Well, Anthony, look, I, I appreciate you coming on here. Um, this has been great. I think that there's, there's a lot that, that our listeners can learn. Um, you know, whether you're the athlete, whether you're a family member, agent, whoever it might be, you know, do you have any parting shots, any words of wisdom, you know, last nugget that you want to leave with the people that listen to this podcast? I think for me, like you said, families and parents, this is a very new experience and time and there's a lot of information. So I would say, ask questions, listen to podcasts, educate yourselves, like build your, you know, your trusted people and ask questions. Don't be afraid to communicate. This is all really new and no question is dumb. Right. And especially when you're trying to make decisions about your son or daughter's career or help them navigate through this time, like the more questions are better. Like I field a lot of questions from a lot of the athletes, parents that care about, you know, Hey, taxes, right? Like how are we doing income taxes? Are you sending me, you know, like all these things, like there's a ton of things that now go into this whole thing. So ask questions, align yourself with the right people. Yeah, that's that, that. That's the way where I would say. I feel like I was almost a Boy Scout answer. Be prepared, right? That's in their, <laughs> that their motto. Yeah, so, something like that. Well, well, Anthony, I really appreciate it. And uh, for all of our listeners out there, you know, go take a look at the show notes. Also, we'll have you know Anthony's contact information, my contact information um, at the bottom of, of of the notes. So if there's any questions, anything y'all want to touch on in, in future series, or if you want to reach out to us directly and just say, hey. 
you, you talked about this and, and I want to touch base or I want to learn here. Do you know something? Please reach out to us. Um, you know, this podcast series is for y'all, you know, so so utilize it and, and we're here to help you. So, Anthony, once again, we really appreciate it and uh, we'll look forward to our next episode. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate you letting me come on. Absolutely, man. We'll see you soon. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.